US1, OPEC zero. This is where the money is. Hey everybody, I'm Mark Reith here with Tyler Crow, and this is where the money is. It's Thursday, so we're talking energy. What else are we going to talk about on <laughs> Thursday? We're going to talk about this mustache first and foremost. My God, man, just majestic. Well, it's November. My grandfather had prostate cancer, so I do it every year. It's like a memory thing. There donate, you go. Donate to research. It's, it's do it every year. Nothing wrong with that. And you make it look good, too. But you can't make it look bad. <laughs> not with a face like that, let me tell you. Okay, enough about this. We got a lot to talk about today. We're talking OPEC, we're talking U.S. But let's first start with U.S. and China. They got together and discussed some carbon emissions recently. Uh, they, they had a summit uh, discussing how they can cut carbon emissions in both countries. And the news from this didn't really seem like news to me at all. The numbers that came from this summit really don't seem to have changed from before the summit. Am I right? Yeah, well, yes, yes you are. <laughs> um, it, it, when you look at it, it's a very symbolic thing. Basically what the United States is saying is by 2025, we are going to have cut our emissions by 26 to 28% from levels back in 2005. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's kind of like a wonky way to, to put it. But right. basically that is when U.S. carbon emissions had peaked, like at their highest level. Okay. Uh, China has said by 2030, their carbon emission levels will have peaked. Like they're gonna go through that same cycle where they're gonna go from there, we're gonna be starting back on our own downward trend. Hmm. So if you look at it from the United States perspective, it doesn't actually change anything. Right, I, I did a quick thing, uh, uh, the search this morning on U.S. carbon emissions. And between 2005 and 2014, we have reduced carbon emissions by 13%. Uh, yes. You know, you've got things like switching towards natural gas, cars becoming more fuel efficient, things like that. So we're already on that trend. Hmm. And it, it actually wouldn't be that difficult for us to make that if the current trends that we see are continuing. You know, you're seeing a very large... Uh, influx of solar and wind installations, which is going to replace some coal and natural gas-fired power uh, on that end. And then, you know, with the CAFE standards that are really going to start sinking in 2017, 2018, we're going to see a big jump in uh, fuel efficiency. It, when, when oil is 30% of U.S.'s total energy platform, right. that's going to be a significant reduction too. So on that end, from the U.S., if you're an investor looking at this, I don't think you really need to change anything if you're basing your investment thesis on what is going on exactly right now. Okay. If you're maybe looking at some of your investments in China, I don't know, maybe you have an investment in a coal company in China. Who knows? I'm not Are sure. It's, no, okay. it's not my investment. You might, well, it, it's going to change a little bit mm. simply because China's uh, carbon emissions have just been skyrocketing. Uh, in 2009, the U.S. and China were just about equal at about 6 billion tons of CO2 emissions per year. Mm. Since that time, we've dropped like that 13%, China has grown 50%. Ooh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's pretty big. And so that actual trend to get to that flat level or flatlining for them is going to be considerably much more difficult. Mm. And so anybody in that realm might, you might need to kind of reinvestigate what they're doing. Maybe if you're a crazy global coal commodities trader or something like that, I'm assuming that our readers aren't or listeners aren't that, you know, we're hey. kind of long-term investors. Hey, now. You know, it could it's just be. one of those things. Okay, that's that's very reasonable. So yeah, and so much of China is just fueled by coal. So much of their growth has been sixty-seven percent right now is is all Crazy. coal. So that it, you know, that is a really big deal. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that because that is going to be one of the the ground-shaking things in China is the shift away from coal to something that is going to be either a non uh, non-emission source, nuclear, wind, 
or solar, or going to something that is a reduced um, emissions, like a natural gas. Did they give any color on which way they're going to go with that? No, Actually, none whatsoever. I didn't see that either. That's interesting. So, I, you know, I think it's just one of those symbolic things. They'll say it, mm. and then probably in a little while, you know, they'll have their strategic planning, and then they'll tell us what they're going to do. Right, and if it doesn't look good, if, if the numbers don't add up for China, there's a good likelihood they're just going to say, no, we're going to keep on using coal for a little while. Yeah. It's cheap, it's worked for us, why would we stop now? U.S., on the other hand, like you said, it's, we've been cutting already, so who cares? I guess is the long and short of this. It's a nice symbolic It's thing. a nice symbolic thing. That's very fair. All right. Uh, let's move on to U.S., uh, or excuse me, to Brent crude prices, which dropped below $80 a barrel. That's close to, what was it, a 2010 low from way back in the day? Just about, yeah. Man, prices keep on dropping on oil. Is there anything new here, or is it still just supply outpacing demand? Based on if you were to go to the news feeds for energy at Bloomberg or Reuters or anything like that, you would think this is the most monumental thing <laughs> on the planet. Like, I, just a quick look at it this morning, I think the first eight out of the 15 uh, articles had the word OPEC or price of oil. Right. So if you look at that, this is a really, really big deal. Um, basically what everybody's worried, uh, worried is, is OPEC gonna cut oil? Right. They're saying they're, they, they're not, they, th they think that they can kind of run some people out of the market, maybe some of those high-cost producers, mm -hmm. and, you know, recapture market share. Mm. Uh, that being said, what they're saying and what they're doing is slightly different. Uh, in this month alone, uh, OPEC has actually cut its production by about 200 220,000 barrels per day. Not mm. a whole lot, but, you know, enough to make a an impact where you can actually see, oh, yeah, that's a decent amount of oil. Right. So, you know, there's there's that. And then on the 27th is going to be the, what's called the big OPEC meeting. Mm -hmm. They're all going to get together and they're going to establish production quotas for 2015. Uh, right now, uh, OPEC believes that they're going to have to cut actually between 1.1 and 1.5 million barrels per day. Wow. So a big amount. Yeah. And the largest reason for that Shale in America. USA. USA. Yeah, that's nice. OPEC 1 or o America 1, OPEC 0. And here we are, back around. So what's what we're looking at is U.S. oil production is expected to grow between 1.1 and 1.5 in 2015. So OPEC is going to try to adjust their production quotas for that. Hmm. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that will actually line up with prices. Right. Because <clears throat> if they just kind of keep as is and stay in this $80 barrel range, hmm. Not a lot of people are going to be happy, not just on the OPEC side, but also on the shale producing side of the United States as well. There are a lot of companies that will be just fine at $80 a barrel. There are some that won't. Mm. You know, you've got a lot of young companies who have taken on great big loads of debt when they looked at $110 barrel of oil and go, this is the way to go. It's going to be awesome. And now 80 is like, ooh. Big problems. So... Everybody's going to hurt a little bit. It'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. But if you are a long-term investor in this, again, it shouldn't change a whole lot. You should still be looking for those companies that can be profitable even at bad times like this. Companies that are actually generating cash flow. Mm. Companies that are actually making a return on their investment rather than kind of going on the hopes and the dreams <laughs> of doing that in the hopes future. Hopes and dreams will get you a long hopes way, Tyler. Hopes and dreams Tyler. is a hard investment thesis in the oil business. Fair point. Okay, so who out there fits your standards then? I think one company that uh, has done a fantastic job with shale more than anybody else has been EOG Resources. It's the in it basically the most prominent independent player 
in the United States right now. Uh, you, you, could, you could say some of the big oil candidates just simply because they have the diversified assets to weather any storm. But EOG, even at these prices, has been cash flow positive. They kind of have this semi-integrated model where they are sourcing their water and sand from their own or sand from their own mines. Hmm. They've also started building out their own rail infrastructure so they can move oil when they need to at much lower cost than other people. So it, it helps on that end. Hmm. And, and management has just done an excellent job of bringing down production costs in like their, I guess you could say their bread and butter area, which is the Eagleford Shale area. Uh, they've done a great job there. And it, based on those kind of numbers and where they're looking, it, they just look great, and it's it's hard to argue with what they've done. EOG, check it out. Okay, and let's wrap up with something just dumb, people. SUV sales, gas guzzler sales, are way up because oil is cheap right now, and everyone knows oil is just going to stay cheap, and it's going to be a perfectly legitimate reason to buy a Hummer right now. What if, come on, I, what is wrong with you people? I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I I've been watching it. Yeah, like I I go to fill up my car six seven months ago, it was like three sixty three seventy. Right now, it's about down to two eighty. Mm. I'm not running out to buy a new car because right. of it. I mean, what's going on with this? Does anybody else understand that when you buy a car, you might have it for three or four years, and guess what? Oil might be back up to that $4 range. Who knows? Crazy. No, people just think about the short term. It's insane. It's, what are you people doing? Think got, about the long term. Got to get that Hummer. Got to get that Hummer. I'm thinking bright yellow, spinning rims, bouncing. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, Tyler cool. Crow, everybody. Thank you for being here, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Uh, if you don't like what we had to say about gas guzzlers or you had any questions, comments, heck, just a question you want to get on air, send us an email over at WTMI at fool.com. We'd be happy to respond to it or just ignore it if you disagree with our opinions. For Tyler Crow, I'm Mark Reith. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you tomorrow.